From the Shelter at Home Studios in Nederland, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair. And a very interesting topic for you on this show. We've got uh, online educational opportunities with Ron Shepard of the Central Division, Joel Kruger, and Chris Rogers. Ron, Joel, Chris, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. Sure. Thanks for having us. Now, Ron, Ron, we're really looking at Central. You guys really made... uh, online education a, a real I don't know driving force you kind of you kind of took the bull by the horns on this one what was it that got you started you know it started a few years ago um, the we recognized a need for an MA course and our division is so spread out that the idea of of having people come to us for for this course where the where the need might be be more, be more dispersed than that um, fit perfectly with online meeting rooms so so joel kruger who's on the call and and a small team came up with a with a movement analysis course that they felt could be very easily delivered over over the an online meeting room um we've had about 400 people i think go through that program so far now now joel that's correct how did how did you come up with that how did you design it to be so effective you know, it really started as a uh, what we thought was a real opportunity, and not only Central Vision, but with the ski instructors in general, with movement analysis. And it was a group of newer Ed staff members working with our mentor, and uh, we thought, you know, how can we reach out to our members and talk about movement analysis effectively, not only in season, but maybe even during the summer. So we came up with this idea of uh, creating a webinar series, <clears throat> excuse me, something that could be conducted uh, all 12 months of the season and help instructors to improve their movement analysis skills. And it really started out with a simple idea. Let's watch some video. Let's do some movement analysis, uh, bring out the mods form and the five fundamentals and put it together. And from there, it really took off. Uh, I think August of 2016 was the first time that we really did our first document and watching some video. And from there, it's uh, kind of history. Now, Chris, you're another name that uh, I really think of when I think of online education because you're you're very instrumental in this and a big advocate of it. How did you get involved with Central? So as a, as a team member traveling around the country and, and getting to work with a number of the different divisions and, and lead training, um, you see a lot of different approaches to training across the country. You know, with, with 33,000 members, we have a very diverse demographic of, of people who teach skiing and snowboarding, and each division uh, tailors their educational platforms and, and their delivery for the members in, in their region. And I think Central's done a really good job of embracing some of the opportunities of online learning and, and digital education. And um, when I was out leading training out there this winter, Ron and I talked about some different ideas for uh, electronic learning. And, and you know, the, the thing with, with this pandemic is it's created some silver linings like uh, everyone embracing webinars and, and online meetings and hangouts and you know whether you're just getting together for a happy hour with some friends or you're actually attending some learning there's a lot of digital presence uh that's created an opportunity you know it's it's that tipping point that all of a sudden um this this digital platform that was already existing and, and available has become way more viable because people are actually using it and um and and so 
the conversations that Ron and I had had suddenly became way more relevant. And uh, we've, we've had a lot of uh, time now to start to put some of that into motion. Now, Chris just said a word, Ron, that I'm associating a lot with you recently, and that was the word opportunity, because you have really taken this and spun it as a, in such a positive direction. How do you look at this as an opportunity? Well, I think that that's, it's, it is, to me, it really is an opportunity. The fact that, that our members suddenly, like, wh- when else have we experienced such a paradigm shift in, in um, people's coming up to speed on something like web meeting platforms? The, we now have members who never would have thought that they joined an online meeting before. I mean, maybe the closest they've gotten is FaceTiming with their, their family or grandkids or whatever, who now are fully comfortable with, with online meeting platforms. And, you know, the Chris is maybe a great example or, or the one we did with Ron LeMaster in the fall. This idea of of that, that some of our talent is really regional. And and that means that, that, that our members who are in Ohio may never get to see our best presenter in Minnesota or in the case of Chris out in Colorado because they because they weren't geographically um, uh, situated. They weren't they weren't close enough to make the trip. And. This platform made anybody, regardless of where they are, available to be in front of the membership, and so so the opportunity is is multifold. It's it's, it's the idea of getting these great voices in front of our members and having our members have both the time and now the capacity to be there and and to participate. I I couldn't see a better confluence of events coming out of something that is otherwise considered a crisis. Joel, question for you. Uh, I really noticed this a lot on late night television when uh, our hosts started uh, broadcasting from their homes and some of them, it just didn't work without an audience there. And as this has gone on, I've seen some people really start to shine. How do you make an effective presentation to our membership uh, when you necessarily aren't right there in front of them, but you're talking to them vi- um, virtually. And uh, it, it is definitely a different type of presentation style. How do you make it most effective? Yeah, you know, that's interesting that you bring that up because uh, you make it inter- very interactive. For example, on our webinars, we do require the use of a, a, a camera so that we can see the individual and they can see us. Um, we've had a couple of situations where they have not been able to use their cameras, but they instead use the, uh, just the audio portion. It's not quite as effective, but we, we make it real interactive, uh, not only speaking with the individuals, uh, but also doing some group work, group interaction. And then on the, uh, did you see that webinars? They have the opportunity to actually, uh, use the screen. They can draw on the screen. So when we're conducting movement analysis, I can draw, but so can the participants. We can share screens. They can share their screens with us, too. So um, everybody gets becomes very, very uh, involved as a group. And, in fact, we can split them off and do a little group work as well during the session. So maybe they break up into pairs or threes or something like that, and they can go off into a separate room, they call it, and do some work on their own, and then we come back together as one uh, big group. So very interactive sessions, and we've had a great deal of success with uh, keeping people engaged uh, during each session. Chris, this sounds like a really phenomenal way for our divisions, again, to come together. 
yeah, I think that's been one of the one of the coolest parts in my in my mind is seeing the cross division participation. Um, you know, there's there's members from Eastern jumping into the central webinars. There's people from Northwest jumping into Western division clinics, and um, we've done a couple of, of just general happy hours. Where uh, last week we did one for everyone that's trying out for the team next year, and it was just a general happy hour hangout chat. Um, catch up on, on what's going on. We did one last week for Rider Rally as well. Just anyone that, you know, any of the ASI members that want to talk about Rider Rally and creating some of that social hangout space. But the collaboration across across division is really cool to see. And, um, you, you know, the, the opportunity to approach some things that we haven't maybe known how to do before, how to, how to create this collaboration. And, and what we're seeing is, um, uh, you know, and some of the feedback we're hearing is, really positive in terms of this is what this is how we should be running all the time not just during during this uh, lockdown phase now maybe with less frequency but you know some of the things i've heard from members are i was injured this year and i wasn't able to go to any clinics you know is there an opportunity to do some of these uh through through the season in nights and weekends or you know people who teach part-time and have another full-time career maybe it's harder for them to get to snow but they want to keep their brain engaged they want to still be thinking about some of these concepts and so you know the this this kind of forced adoption of the technology is going to pave the way towards you know maybe a, a rolling series like this that keeps going that's uh, opportunities to meet your education credit and you know and interact and, and train and learn while not maybe on site, which, you know, that, that, that opens up our network of 33,000 instructors instead of just, you know, the couple thousand in your division. So there's some really cool opportunities from that side. Now, Ron, you were, how big is Central? It's like 14, 1500 miles. Yeah, it's massive. So to get from one end of our division, from you know the the very edge of of Ohio to to the schools that we that we manage in North Dakota, yeah, fourteen hundred something miles, a, a distance which means that some of our ed staff have never been to to the 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 full expanse of our division. And I can go into one of your online uh, educational opportunities but don't have to be a member of central to do that i can be a member of rocky or northwest or eastern that's correct and and you know the the thing that's really cool is that that it you know really has transpired that way where where now uh for the for the guys who are leading the the did you see that course the online ma um that they're just as likely to get someone from another division as they are from our own it creates a a great leveling force this idea of 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 having um members in other divisions uh, recognize the commonality uh, among uh concepts that occur across divisions now i'd like to act ask in conclusion each of you a logistical question if you could each give us just one important thing that you feel, you know, my ski school, our division, however we're doing this, we want to get this started. What's the most important thing we need to keep in mind when we're getting this going? Ron, let's go ahead and start with you. Well, so one of the things that works really well for us is having a rules sheet that we that we post on the on the screen when people are coming into the room, so they understand about muting themselves and about and about you know the process for raising the hand or or making requests, especially in the larger meetings. And pre-establishing some ground rules really helps in order to get rid of the awkwardness. The other aspect that I think that, that Chris may have mentioned is the 
that this is a new paradigm when it comes to, to, to who your presenters are and making sure that they're people who can modulate their tone and, and keep people, keep the audience engaged when they can't see the audience necessarily and, and their faces um, can't necessarily or won't necessarily hear the responses. So, so that, um, the confidence in presentation, it's, it's a, it's a whole new skill set to look for in your presenters. It may not be the same people who've been leading your clinics to date. Joel? You know, and I can add to that, uh, the presenters have to really be sharp. They have to be able to handle multiple priorities. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like when you're, when you have a group of students in front of you, you have people with different varying degrees of proficiency in the sport. Same thing goes when you have a webinar going. Uh, you have people who have different levels of proficiency with the technical aspects of, of participation, too. So the presenter has to be able to not only present the materials real effectively, but they have to handle the issues that come up, maybe a technical issue that, that, that might occur during the webinar. Uh, so they have to be real flexible. And then the other factor is, is that they have to be able to handle a group that might have uh, real experienced instructor in it and somebody who's less experienced and how do you cater to both of those uh, those individuals in the same group so it, it brings a whole new um, level of uh, leading a group I think when you're doing a webinar as compared to when you're doing it on the snow Chris yeah I'd, I would agree with what Joel was just saying I, I think one of the things that I feel has stretched me as a presenter is is this middle ground between leading training on snow and maybe a presentation that you were giving in front of a 2000 member audience on that side, on the, on the 2000 person audience, you are going to prepare and you're going to have this like super polished presentation. Most likely um, you're going to have practiced it a bunch of times and it's not going to be super interactive usually. And what we do on snow is generally very interactive, very steered by the group. I have my goal of, of where I want to get to at the end, but it's not necessarily rehearsed. It's, it's using my experience as a presenter to get the group there. And with the webinars, it's somewhere in the middle. And I think, I think one of the key points is you want to be prepared and to know your content and to know the platform. It's imp important to practice the platform. But you need to have some level of presentation because there's not as much group interaction as we get on snow but it's more group interaction than you would get normally in a big stand-up presentation. And so being comfortable to walk that line. And a few of the things that I've noticed in that are being comfortable with silence. That's always an important skill of any facilitator, being okay with there being some silence in the room. But on a webinar, if you ask a question, it might be 60 seconds before someone answers because maybe they left themselves muted. There's 60 people on the webinar. Maybe they uh, don't feel quite comfortable speaking yet. You've got to be just a little bit more comfortable with that. And in that, you know, on snow, I constantly ask, does that make sense? I'm checking for understanding constantly on snow. In a webinar, that question might lead to three minutes where no one's really talking and so for example i've modified that to a, a simple thumbs up on the camera like hey is everyone everyone thumbs up here and you know if half the people put thumbs up we're good i also ask people to ask their questions in the chat and so that way they can kind of get the idea out there and then i'll be like oh ron shepherd from central divisions asking well what does this mean 
Um, Ron, do you want to elaborate on that? So now it's no longer like throwing that question out to the whole group who wants to ask a question. It's I'm, I'm taking that question. The opportunity to ask questions was open for everyone, but I'm now directing that question and, and putting Ron a little bit on the spot to answer, but he can now elaborate on it or just be like, no, if you just want to go from there, that's good. And so kind of that, that framework of how you move a presentation forward or, or a topic forward in a webinar is very different than either either that on snow training or that prepared presentation ron anything you'd like to say to wrap up sure you know there's a couple real quick things one uh we found that that when chris did his presentation he's great at multitasking so he can watch the chat and uh interact with the group it always helps to have a facilitator someone else as a co-host who can monitor the chat help people who are having uh sound or whatever issues just so it's not distracting from the presenter that works great. So highly recommend doing that. The thing that I'm so excited about, George, is that, that you know, um, when I've been to national team tryouts, I see so many great presentations from so many uh, uh, people at the tryouts that we have a whole pool of possible uh, presenters. We have this massive pool of possible presenters, all people who develop great subject matter. And now we have a platform that we can start to, to utilize to get them out there. Uh, in order to get so many of those those massive and and quite frankly usually very well prepared presentations before the membership. Well, Ron Shepard, Joel Kruger, Chris Rogers, thank you so much for joining us today on First Chair. Really appreciate it. Glad to be here. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you, George. From the PSIA AASI Sheltered Home Studios in Nederland, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.